Good morning, and welcome to episode 280 of Effectively Wild, the daily podcast from Baseball Prospectus. I am Ben Lindberg, joined by Sam Miller. Hello, Sam. Howdy. How are you? Good. Would you like to discuss anything before we discuss things? 280 was uh, was always like the the line where a, a hitter became a good hitter uh-huh. when I was a kid. <laughs> Not a great hitter. A great hitter at 300, but 280 was a good hitter. Does that mean we have become a good podcast? It's a counting stat, not a rate stat, Ben, <laughs> what, what we're doing here. That's true. <laughs> uh, okay, well, I don't have much to say. I did. I did. I was thinking earlier that it's strange how impossible to find minor league postseason stats it is. is that, mm. Has that ever occurred to you? When you look up a, a player's stats on Baseball Reference, uh, his, his postseason stats are not included in the minors. There's no section for postseason stats like there is for major league guys there's pretty much no source there's like a a private portal where you can look up ml milb stats and even there it's kind of hard to find it's like it never happened so they so oh they don't get wrapped into their regular stats no they don't yeah it, it occurred to me earlier to wonder whether that was the case and no they don't it's like they just disappear we have no way to know who's clutch in the minor leagues would you rather, if you were, I mean, if you were, for instance, the editor of a site that, that kept track of stats, mm-hmm. for instance, if that were a thing that happened, would you rather see the stats be their own separate line, or would you rather see them just wrapped in unmentioned as, as you know, part of the overall line? I think, I, I don't know, I think for a minor leaguer, I might be okay with it just being in the, in the regular season line. I don't, I don't know. Maybe, yeah, maybe I, I definitely would be. That might be, well, I don't know. Maybe it's deceptive when you look and see that a guy played more games than someone else and more games than were scheduled for his team. I guess it could be confusing. Um, really? I don't know. Really? I don't know. I, I can't. I don't see any downside to that. I'm not totally against the idea of having that be the case in the majors. I'm not uh-huh. necessarily. I don't think I'm for it, but I'm not totally against it. Uh-huh. Okay, uh, what's your topic? Billy Hamilton. Ah, all right. And I wanted to talk about some guys that I wrote about who were in make-or-break contract years that are now almost over. Cool. Why don't I start? Okay. So Billy Hamilton is up in the majors. It's It seems like it's very exciting in the most literal way possible. Like, it is it is excitement more than it's meaningful, if that makes sense. It's like, oh, this guy might run fast. Yeah, uh, and That's very exciting. It, it used to be more than that. I mean, last year at this time, the the excitement about whether he would be called up was was greater because he, I guess, he had fewer question marks as a prospect at that point. All right, you're jumping ahead a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, let the man talk. All right. Uh, no, I think even last year that I was, uh, I, I felt like we were talking about him mainly in September. Mainly, it's just a pinch runner, uh, but. Because the Reds did have a pretty uh, – no, they didn't. They had Drew Stubbs. That's right. It, it would have made sense to replace Stubbs and or Heisey with Hamilton. But anyway, yeah. So this year, Hamilton is up to, to be a runner, to run fast. And um, as you noted, he had a, a, a very down season. And there's a real question about what sort of player he is. Um, there's no question about his speed, which is elite, the elitist speed probably in the game. Um, and so I just wanted to know whether – Billy Hamilton is a guy that you would want on your team if you would be uh, happy to have him on your team or whether we're just talking about 
uh, a little bit of a you know a little bit of a temporary freak show who we'll all get fairly bored of, you know, in not too long, and who might actually end up being um, a punchline after a few years. Mm-hmm. The way that these sorts of uh, speed guys sometimes become, like Scott Pedzenik and Juan Pierre and mm-hmm. Willie Tavares. Yeah. Uh, well, I guess you're you're kind of asking me to project what he'll be in a sense, right? Well, Which, let's ima- uh, yeah, I guess, but like, let's just assume that if I this mean, is what he is. Yeah, yeah. So, like, assume that he's he doesn't get better. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean he's as bad as his minor league stats this year, which, if anybody's unaware, he hit 256, 308, 343 in uh, AAA. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, he might be better than that because that, he had demonstrated some better ability than that before. But, let's. I mean, yeah, assuming that he doesn't get much better. Uh, in that case, I think I would, I would have a place for him. Um, so... I, you know, he played like 120 games in center and AAA. I don't know exactly how good he looks there. Do you have any sense of? Because this was his this was his first full season or first yeah any season at the position. Um, Jason, yeah, in the call up, Jason Park said that you know his defense will play. He he makes mistakes, but he has the speed to outrun them. It's it doesn't seem like it's elite or anything, but he can handle the position. Uh huh. So. Yeah, I mean, he'd be a pretty valuable guy if he were, like, a, a plus center fielder. Um, then I feel like I'd be pretty happy to have him as a, a fourth outfielder type who was just uh, almost an automatic steal. I, I guess we'll see how automatic he is. He was, what, he was 15, he was 75 for 90 this year. Uh, and, of course, everyone always knows that he's going, which is why it's so fun. Like the mm-hmm. the first the first deal that he had was was Molina behind the plate and I forget who was pitching but um, you know kind of an adverse matchup for him battery wise and he uh, I guess it wasn't the greatest wasn't the greatest throw it was kind of offline but it's fun to to watch when everyone knows that he's going and he still goes but I think well, I mean, he did I don't know if you saw this but he's, he he got he, another one yeah. Yeah, in the fifth in the fifteenth today, he stole uh, again off of Molina and again scored, I believe, the go-ahead run. Um, I, I might, I didn't, I might be getting my sequence messed up here, but yes, he again stole and he again scored. So yeah, I think there's a there's a, a place for that guy, right? I'd rather have that guy than a I don't know a, a second Lugie or whatever. I'd rather have a guy who can play center or play all outfield positions in a pinch. Presumably he, he could do that. He didn't play a corner at all this year down there, but if you can play center, presumably you can, uh, you can, you can come in as a defensive replacement pretty much anywhere in the outfield and plus the speed. I mean, that's something that I think when teams had bigger benches, anyone would have made, made some space for that guy. I don't think he's really a, an impact player if he doesn't hit any better than he did this year. 14th. It was the 14th and he scored the tying run. It is, it is interesting how, okay, so in dollar sign on the muscle, um, they talk about how one of uh, branch rich Ricky's, uh, sort of founding ideas of scouting is that, um, the, basically the two most important tools you look at for an amateur are speed and arm. And that's for good reason. It's because if, if he's got speed, he's, you know, he's a good athlete. He's going to be able to play a lot of positions. He's, you know, he's got, he's got a sort of a broad, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of like a, a skill that plays in a lot of different ways. And if he's got a good arm, then, you know, he's not going to be stuck playing second base or first base. 
uh, or left field. Um, and yet those two, those two tools in the majors are kind of like the least important. Yeah. Um, you'd much rather have a guy who could hit mm -hmm. than a guy who, you know, with an elite hit tool than an elite run tool. Mm -hmm. And it's this weird moment where speed, where a player is a, prospect kind of hits this point where the speed becomes less and less important and the other things become more and more important and it's never quite clear when that moment is but like Hamilton is a single a player um you know I, I don't know I always kind of like I think there were a lot of people who were suspicious because he's got this incredible this incredible skill that we tend to I think maybe associate to some degree with guys who are really one-dimensional and, and can't do a whole lot mm -hmm. and that kind of frustrate you when they get up to the majors. I mean, even Vince Coleman, who, you know, is probably the closest thing to uh, a predecessor of um, of Billy Hamilton. I mean, Ricky Anderson was obviously a great base dealer, but did so, so much more and probably wasn't as fast uh, as Coleman and, and Hamilton are. But, you know, Vince Coleman... You know, I don't know. I'm, I'm looking right now, and his career was basically like a 12-win player over 13 seasons, mm -hmm. um, despite being able to steal basically at will. You know, he had 300 and sub 300 on base percentages at the top of the order for his whole, you know, most of his most of his career. Um, and so Hamilton, I've, I I always get the feeling that Hamilton's always been um, like I don't know controversial as a process as a prospect maybe and. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, MLB.com had him, I think, 11th in their top 100 this year. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I, I think I get the feeling that there are a lot of people who just looked at him and thought, oh, well, you know, he's he's never going to be an impact player. He's just going to have one impact tool. And it's hard to get that impact tool in the game a lot of times. Uh, you know, I, mm -hmm. I wrote that piece last year about um, trying to figure out how much Hamilton could actually be worth if he were used every single day as a pinch runner and stole every single time, yeah. which we've seen. In the <laughs> last... just, yeah, that's what's happened. Yeah, and in, in those two cases, you really see the extreme value of it, right? In the in the seventh inning of a game yesterday, he scores the go-ahead run in a one-to-nothing victory after stealing a base. And today, down by one in the 14th, he steals and then scores the tying run and pushes the game forward. And so you look at that and you get really excited and you think, especially in September or October, you feel like that's going to be hugely valuable. But then you also look at it from the other side, which is that like it took till the 14th inning for them to get him in a game. Mm -hmm. um, it's not that easy to get a pinch runner in a lot of times. They were in a tie game for, uh, let's see, it looks like they were in a tie game for, well, at least from the seventh inning on. And they couldn't find a place to get him in. You have to get a guy on base in the right situation and it has to be the right guy that you don't want that you don't mind pulling out of the game and with Hamilton you immediately have to replace him um, so it's it's a strange skill that has a kind of in a way really limited utility much less than uh, you might think mm -hmm. given given how fundamental it is to the sport and I mean you would much rather have a guy who can who can run a little bit who's good at everything else than a guy who can run a ton and is only a little bit good at everything else, right? Mm -hmm. And yet, uh, I mean, he's he's different from your typical speed pinch runner guy in that he's he's like almost almost automatic. It seems like if you if you do put him in, if you do find that opportunity, there's a really really good chance that he's going to go and he's going to be successful when he goes. Um, so it's not a great chance that he's going to be successful, though. I mean, he's he's got a good success rate. It's definitely better 
than breaking even. Mm-hmm. But those, I mean, if he'd been caught stealing tonight, which happens every six times or so, uh, even at lower levels, probably happens more frequently in the majors when he's going up against Molina. If he gets thrown out tonight, they, you know, that costs them huge. I mean, the the value, the problem is that the value of a stolen base is, you know, significantly less than the negative value of a caught stealing. And so, um, I mean, he's not automatic. He he got caught 15 times this year by AAA mm-hmm. catchers, and he got you know caught 37 times last year. It's it's a good rate, particularly given how obvious he is. But the question is whether that player, whether a player who you know is as some people have noted is basically being used like Herb Washington was in the 70s, whether that player can be particularly valuable. Mm-hmm. And I'm not sure if it can. I mean, Herb Washington wasn't nearly the base runner, so he's not a great um, hypothetical, but it's interesting, or not hypothetical, comparison analogy, um, but it's interesting how, um, I don't know, in a, in a weird way, um, there's just not that much you can do with speed in baseball. You can steal, but you can't steal that much better than a lot of other guys can. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, you, we have ne- we've never seen the guy who goes 70 for 70, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. You, you'd think that there'd be a guy who's so fast that he could go 70 for 70. And we just have never seen that. You, you don't really see anyone even approaching it. You see some guys in the, in the 80s who are able to steal reliably. Um, but we haven't seen a guy who just tr- it, it, who turns a 90, the 90-foot 90 distance into basically the equivalent of 80. It, it hasn't happened. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, Herb Washington literally didn't hit or play the field. Um, so if Hamilton... I, I don't know. I guess it, it all kind of comes down to his defense. If he could become a an above-average center fielder coupled with the speed, I feel like that that would, you know, that would keep him on a roster at least. Um, he was actually, he was 14th on our top 101 list this year, which kind of mm-hmm. surprises me. Um, Especially because the, the, I mean, I think Parks... Even Parks, I, I get the feeling like it's to some degree it's like an acknowledgement of the tools without necessarily buying it, because he Parks kind of downplays it a little bit. He, yeah. Uh, I, I, he says Hamilton's bad in approach never won me over, and I was hesitant to go too big on his future as a result. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's I, like you you can't ignore the speed, but on the other hand, it just doesn't feel the same. Yeah, I remember Jason was always very down on D Gordon. Uh, who was getting ranked pretty highly on most prospect lists because he just looked at him and he was really skinny and had no power and he just thought that he would be overwhelmed and and dominated once he got to the majors and that's kind of what has happened um, and maybe that's kind of the case with Hamilton who's who's not quite as as scrawny as Gordon but sort of the the same sort of build same sort of skill set so Gordon was a top thirty prospect too. Hmm. Yeah, so, well, I'm I'm glad he exists at least because I am looking forward to. I, I I hope he's good enough at least just to give us those those moments over the next few years where he comes in at a pivotal time and everyone knows he's going and we know and the catcher knows and the pitcher knows and I guess uh, that could lead to a lot of pitcher holding the ball and throwing over to first and. Maybe that would actually make things a little more boring, but I feel like if the situation were were high leverage enough, it would be pretty exciting to to see him come in. Yeah, it'd kind of be nice to see him succeed. It'd be 
it kind of would be nice to see uh, that type of player replace the second or third lefty in the bullpen. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not sure that's what I would choose to replace the second or third lefty in the bullpen with, but I would rather have that guy yes. than the second or third lefty in the bullpen. Right. Yes. I agree. All right. Okay. Uh, so I wrote an article back in March about players who I thought were entering make-or-break contract years. If they had a, a good, successful season, they could really cash in as free agents and get some enormous long-term deal. And if they had an unsuccessful year or got hurt or whatever, they could, I don't know, maybe just be in for a, a one-year kind of pillow contract thing or miss their miss their window maybe for a, a big long-term deal. So I wanted to kind of briefly go over these guys and and see whether they whether they made or were broken, I guess. Um, the first the first one is Tim Lincecum, whom we've talked about a few times and we still have literally no idea whether he... <laughs> yeah, it's it's hard to it, say it whether... It really is. It's going to come down to his last three starts. Yeah. I don't know whether he's... These other guys that I'm going to bring up, it's pretty clear whether they had the the make year or the break year. Lincecum, I'm not really... I'm not really sure. Kind of kind of in the middle. Like, he didn't, he didn't suffer a serious injury or anything, and he was better than last season, and... He had the no hitter, but overall, and he has like the 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 same the same x fit as he had when he was actually good. And yeah, so yeah, so I, I don't maybe we'll we'll talk about him again yet again at the end of the season. Uh, throwing he was throwing eighty eight today, <laughs> according to according to the radio broadcast. Yeah, so so I don't know. I guess he he's he's kind of the one who's in the middle. Didn't really improve his whole his stock a whole lot didn't didn't really decline the other guys it's more it's more clear uh so the four the four others in the top five were jacoby ellsbury uh josh johnson brian mccann and phil hughes so i would say clearly clear the the best of those players is mccann right uh he he missed some time at the beginning of the season but came back and since coming back has basically been been prime Brian McCann for the most part. He's he's hitting about as well as he has really since his since his first full season, which I guess on a on a rate basis is still his best. Um, you think is it because it, it looks to me like he's not hitting as well as his third full season. Uh, I think like he, yeah, I think it's close when you when you adjust for the, the offensive context. I think it's. It's pretty close. Let me see what the, um, what the. Let's see. So his third full season, he had a 3.05 true average, and this year it's 2.97. So, pretty close. Okay. Uh, pretty close. Yeah, and still seems to be a, a good defensive catcher. Um, hasn't had those vision problems that he had. Uh, he is. He is 29 years and six months old, so by by opening day next year he will be 30. So that's always kind of a red flag for a catcher, maybe especially for for a guy who's been playing for for quite a while and and has has a lot of games on his on his knees and various other body parts, but but has has done just about as as much as he possibly could do this season to to answer any questions to come back from a down year last year and and restore his his stock um 
I don't know if we want to talk about what what kind of deal we could see these guys getting. Do you? Uh, I mean, he. I don't know. He seems like a guy who's been tied to the Yankees throughout the season, just because he seems like he'd be a pretty good fit for them, um, and that always that always helps a little bit. But as a as a will be thirty year old catcher, what's what's kind of the the ceiling? on how long a deal he could get, do you think? Is it like four years, probably? Uh, well, as you know, the only thing that I'm worse at predicting than, than baseball <laughs> yeah. events is baseball contracts. Yes, um, I guess I would be surprised if he got four years. Yeah. And I would, I don't know, I'll say, I don't know, what, I'll say three and 39. And it will be seen as a as a good deal and a disappointment for him. Yeah, I would. Yeah, I would definitely see that as as a good deal for any team that signed him to that. I could I could see him, I could see him getting to four. I I think if he got a three year deal, the the annual value would be higher than that. Mm-hmm. He's just. I mean, he's a really valuable player. He's just a he's a a great hitter at catcher who also is a good receiver and does all those things well defensively. I would I would pay a lot of money for that player. Um, the other player who I guess has had, had the good year, although not, maybe not an unqualified good year is Ellsbury. And the most important thing for Ellsbury going into the season was probably just that he stay healthy. And he has, uh, he has some sort of nagging injury right now, but has not been on the DL, has not suffered any serious injury. And that was really kind of the, the question for him. Because in the last three years, entering this season, he'd, he'd had one season in which he was one of the best players in baseball, sandwiched between two where he'd been hurt and not all that productive when he was playing. So now he's he is almost 30. He'll turn 30, I guess it looks like, in a matter of days. Uh, yeah, September 11th is his 30th birthday. So... You know what's... Yeah. Can I? Yeah. Are you? Do you want me to just take over this part? Uh, the, this this particular Pagan, uh, this particular Ellsbury thing. <laughs> you can keep going. I, I. It's just I interrupted you, are, and so now that I'm you, in your flow, do you want me to? Sounds finish? like you're gonna make a Pagan comp. I am. <laughs> okay. You you tipped and, and your hand okay. there. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah want, go yeah. ahead. All right. I'll talk for a little bit, and then you can come back and save me when I, when I lose my way. So, uh, Pagan last year. Uh, 778 OPS, uh, 5.2 warp, uh, 11 runs above replace uh, above average on defense. Okay, uh, Ellsbury this year is 3.9 warp, so he'll get pretty much right there. Eight runs above average defensively, so he'll basically get right there, and a 773 or something OPS. So basically the same raw OPS though. Pagan, of course, in a tougher ballpark. But an easier league. So essentially, same season. Mm-hmm. And uh, Ellsbury is a year younger, but uh, in in baseball terms, but actually not a full year. Let's see, July 2nd, 1981. Uh, so yeah, like 10 months younger. So that's significant. But basically, you know, they're coming off the exact same year. Um, they had kind of similarly bad years the year before, although for slightly different reasons. Um, and yet I would imagine that Pagan, uh, or that Ellsbury is going to get significantly more than Pagan because Ellsbury had that 
huge year yes. two years ago. Yeah. And it's kind of an interesting thing. Like this will be an interesting sort of case study in how much a season from three years ago is actually worth. Because uh-huh. um, that's what Ellsbury is going to get paid for to some degree, right? He's going to get – he'll get paid for having a good year and then he'll get paid even more because he once had a really great year. Yeah. Um, and I guess we'll get to see how much teams wait uh, the, the past to some degree. Yeah, it's yeah, it's a really interesting free agency case. I mean, that looks like such such an anomaly now. The 32 home run year, he's he's never made it to 10 in any other season. He probably won't this year either. So uh-huh. it's it's so strange because he's he's like a a speed contact guy who had he has 31 what, yeah he has 31 career home runs otherwise <laughs> yeah. So it's he's it's like he. He has this one skill set that's very distinctive, and yet he has this one season a couple of years ago where he was just a completely different player. He did did the things that he does now, but also was just a huge power guy. And I, I don't know, I don't, I don't know whether teams will pay him based on that at all. It's it's been two full seasons since we've seen that, and it seems like just such a such a deviation from who he is. That I don't know. I feel like teams would just kind of write him, write that off almost. But he also hit forty six doubles that year, which is also crazy. Yeah, I mean, he was he was incredibly valuable that season. And I kind of wonder whether he falls into the the Michael Bourne bucket also. Um, Thought about yeah, I thought about going that route instead. Right. It it seems like a decent comp. Also, Um, he is. I think he'll be two months older than Michael Bourne was last year. So he's kind of he kind of has that same thing where he'll be a qualifying offer guy, so he's going to cost a cost a pick and he has that skill set of the speedy contact guy who you don't really want after he's 30. Um and maybe that was partially responsible for why Bourne didn't sign until spring training basically last year and didn't get the kind of deal that people thought he would get based on just looking up his his war or whatever because uh, he seemed like maybe not the safest bet to to age well and so Ellsbury kind of has that same thing where he's a speed and contact guy who will be 30 and maybe that's not the guy that you want to commit to if he were if he were a 30 home run guy in addition to that then that kind of alleviates that concern that he's sort of a, a player who's entirely dependent on his speed. And once that goes, all of his value will go. So I don't know. I guess that's it's kind of my favorite free agent case of the winter to, to see what he gets. Yeah, so I think I'm going to have to insist on a uh, bet of the day uh, in, a, okay. in a second. But So you don't think that his – and I'm not challenging you on this. I'm, I'm, I'm asking. You don't think that his power – is a his demonstrated power from you know from the past is is a uh, is a, is a relevant uh, feature of his profile as a free agent. Uh, it should be, I guess. It 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 has. Yeah, I wouldn't toss it out entirely. It's just, is he going to be that guy again? I mean, we've seen him a, a full healthy season now, where he hasn't done that. It, it's kind of hard to imagine him going back to that, and yet. It's it's in his skill set theoretically. Uh, he, I, I don't know. Maybe maybe when the speed goes, he somehow brings back the power and 
and and offers that dimension. I, I don't know. I I guess it's relevant, and and he will get more than he would would get otherwise if he hadn't had that sort of season. But I don't. I can't really can't really imagine many teams being big believers that he's going to repeat that season either. It doesn't feel to me unlikely that he'll have uh, considerably more power in his 30s than he has otherwise shown. I, I mean, I'm not saying he's going to have 80 extra base hits, uh, but, um, you know, you look at, well, I don't know, maybe Johnny Damon's not the best example, but, you know, Johnny Damon basically turned into a bit of a power hitter as a, you know, in his mid-30s. And, uh, you know, he's demonstrated the ability to, to pull a ball. He's demonstrated that he has the strength to do it. And I don't know, I I... I haven't watched him enough or read about him enough to know how much of this one might attribute to approach. Mm -hmm. Um, but it wouldn't surprise me that, you know, he's demonstrated the ability that if, if as he gets older, uh, as power becomes sort of more important to his production, Uh that, you know, he, he, he turns into a, a decent power hitter, you know, certainly a different hitter than we've seen from him most of his career. So here's the bet of the day. Uh Um, how many home runs over (laughs) the next, over the next, uh, Five years. <clears throat> All right. Uh, <laughs> okay, so the thing with him is that I don't really trust him to stay healthy either. Um, mm-hmm. So I'm I'm assuming that in the next five years, he'll miss at least one if you if you add up his injury time, at at least yeah, one yeah. of those he'll be on the DL. So so I'll say it's really it's really like four four full seasons in the next five. Um, mm-hmm. And maybe that might even be optimistic based on his history, but okay. Yeah, I'll go, I'll, I'll go with that premise and I'll, I, I will also, my guess will be along the same lines. Okay. So, <laughs> all right. I guess I will say, uh, <laughs> I guess I'll, I'll, I'll say 50. See, that's pretty high. It that's is pretty, it, it is higher than, he, than he, he hasn't, <laughs> Would have hit it. He hasn't it. done yeah. that. Yeah, this, he's only done that once. Yeah, he's never. It's, he's only had double digits once. Yeah, and yet it's not at all forecasting a return to to 2011. So it's somewhere in the middle there, closer closer to what he's been so far. I mean, it's uh, yeah, it's 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 12 homers per year. If I'm saying he's a full season guy, so so I can see that he's in his 30s and and he he adds I don't know a handful of homers per year. And of course, we don't know what ballpark he's going to be in, so that that affects things also. But, um, but yeah, I'll, I'll say I'll say fifty, sure. All right, I'll say sixty-six. All right. So that would make it uh, just a little more than thirteen over five years. But if you look at it on a on a four-year scale, it's mm-hmm. like sixteen and a half. Should we do stolen bases also? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we'll meet back in in five years to see how this this bet came out. I hope I hope someone's keeping track of all of the things that we've. Well, some someone's someone is. Yeah. Okay. So the internet, is, the internet is it's all saved on the internet if nothing else. So we can just go back and listen to all two hundred eighty episodes. <laughs> right. And find find the necessary bets. Yeah, that seems like something we would do. Um, okay, and then the next two guys. Uh, one, there's Josh Johnson, uh, who really c- couldn't have gone much worse, I guess. Um, yeah, but may not even merit a pillow contract. 
Yeah, that's like that's might be like, might be a might be a minor league invite at this point. Yeah, so clearly not a, a qualifying offer guy, right? Um, right. Yeah, yeah, right. Clearly not a qualifying offer, and I, I I'm exaggerating a little bit, but I'd guess one year and five million, with with some innings incentives. Yeah, yeah. I guess I mean, yeah. It depends how his elbow is feeling over the winter, but even so, no one's no one's gonna trust him. Uh, diminished stuff and injuries, and it will have been a couple of years since he was the Josh Johnson that people would have wanted to sign to a, a big deal. So yeah, hard, hard to imagine the, the make or break year being much more broken than Josh Johnson's. Although the, the last guy, XFIP, XFIP, <laughs> the, the last guy is <laughs> Phil Hughes. Uh, also could not have gone much worse. Could have, could have suffered a, a catastrophic injury, but short of that, uh, could not have done much more to to dissuade teams from signing him, and yet I feel like the the argument in favor of signing Phil Hughes before this season is still sort of the same argument now, right? It the idea that he is just a guy who is in the worst possible ballpark or one of the worst possible ballparks for a, a pitcher with his profile. And that if you got him out of Yankee Stadium, he could. I, I mean, if you put if you put Phil Hughes in Petco Park, I feel like he could he could be a guy who maybe would be a smart signing, um, because his peripherals look okay. He doesn't walk a ton of guys. He has you know an average-ish strikeout rate, maybe a little better for a starter. He just gives up a ton of home runs, and he's—I mean, those are legitimate home run rates, not not the kind of fluky home run per fly ball rate season that you would regress. Like his his xFIPs are not significantly different from his ERAs. He is just that guy when he's pitching in Yankee Stadium because he's one of the most extreme fly ball pitchers out there. Um, but if you if you took him out of that context and put him in a good fly ball park, uh, and he's still 27 years old, I could see him maybe being attractive to certain teams. I mean, his his value is certainly depressed by the the last couple seasons he's had. And then there's there's also the fact that he had that one dominant bullpen year, which I feel like maybe makes him more attractive to a team because. I don't know. He's demonstrated that ability, and maybe maybe every starter can can do that. But he's had that year where he was pretty much unhittable in the bullpen. It was 2009. Uh, total late inning reliever quality pitcher. Maybe if if he doesn't if he does start and still gives up a ton of home runs, you put him back in the bullpen, and he can be that as a as a fallback. You still salvage some value out of the deal. So. I feel like there will still be suitors, even though at the trade deadline, reportedly the Yankees just couldn't sniff an offer for him. They were they were dangling him, as they say, and no one was really interested, according to all the the rumors out there. But but it still seems to me like maybe he's. He, I, mean, I mean, on the road this year, he has a sub four ERA. Um, seems like maybe a decent buy low option for the right team. Obviously. After these two seasons, he's not going to get any kind of big deal. But 
seems yeah, like it does seem like someone will see that as a bargain and probably multiple teams will see it as a bargain yeah and you know he'll get a job he's he's the same age as wade davis yeah he is he's young <laughs> so so still sort of attractive and and not not really a serious injury history lately and just kind of a guy who's been in the been in the wrong place for him bad fit for him uh change of scenery guy all right. All right. Okay. Uh, so we have one more show for tomorrow. We have a guest lined up. Should be fun. Come back and listen to us then.